Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Dina Calmetta here and Susan Davis with Jesus 24-7. And today we are going to talk about our series, The Book of Daniel for Beginners, and we are on the last chapter, chapter 12. Susan, I am so excited to hear about this chapter. Well, you should be. It's a great chapter and a great close to what's been, I think, a very interesting study. What do you think? Absolutely. It has been a very interesting study. Okay, well, we're going to have to get right into it. We're going to cover it for this time period, but for the sake of time and because we've covered so much material with the last... 11 chapters of Daniel, I'm not going to do a review. I'm just going to ask that you go back and watch the videos that we've already produced on those prior chapters. And we know right now that we're talking about major prophet Daniel, who received prophecies that led to 135 prophecies that have have come to pass accurately. God's word is good and that Daniel is a major prophet of God in the Bible. So we're going to go forward and we're going to do this line by line like we have before and hopefully we'll wrap this whole project up with this chapter. But let's take a look with verse 1. And at this time shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even that same time. At that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Okay, well, this is a message, I believe, to the Jews. And Michael is the archangel who's appointed to protect God's chosen people, the Jews. And we see that also in Jeremiah 30, verse 7. But I want to mention here what he's talking about is the time of the end. And we're talking about tribulation here. That's exactly what Daniel's talking about. We're also talking about everyone that shall be found and written in the book. You know what I want to say about this, Dina? Do you know that there's a group of people out there that don't believe that the Jews will be saved in the end? That other groups will come in their place to take over for the Jews? Yes, and it's I think, replacement theology. Oh, I think that's I think it's horrendous. And this scripture right here, if there ever was one that replaces their replacement theology, is that, you know, everyone that shall be found written in the book, which is the Lamb's Book of Life, and that's talking about the Jewish people. And we know that they survive contrary to even cults like the Jehovah Witness that believe otherwise. Because in the final in Revelation, when we're talking about the New Jerusalem that the church is taken to for protection, the the foundation of the New Jerusalem is dedicated to, you know, the Jewish people. And so are the gates. You know, they represent the tribes of Israel. So how do you how do you derive anything else? But th- this is exactly the case. Uh, and so, you know, you can twist scripture all you want, but that's what you have to do. You have to twist scripture to come up with that. And that is just wrong and, um, and from so many angles. Okay, so I want to mention that. Let's go on with uh, verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And verse 3 says, And they 
that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Okay, well, that is really an amazing scripture there because it actually lines up with so many other scriptures in the Bible. In particular, this one in verse 2 where it says, Many of them shall sleep in the dust of the earth, shall awake, and some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Let me go ahead and show you how that works. So we're going to go over to John, okay? We're going to go to John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Let's take a look at that. Let's turn to chapter 5, and Dina's going to put the scripture up for me. And I'm going to read 28 and 29, and it says here, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Okay, well, that is I, that is Daniel exactly, okay? And let's go ahead, and we're going to look at another section of the Bible that also lines up with Daniel, and that's in Isaiah. And I want to turn, have you turn with me to Isaiah and you can either open your Bible or, as Dina will get the scripture up for me, let's take a look at this. And I'm going to Isaiah chapter 26, verses 17 through 21. Let me just read this. Like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her pangs, so have we been in thy sight, O Lord. And then 18 goes on, we have been with child, we have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Okay, so this is very much in reference to the end times being like a woman in child labor and birth pains, where, you know, we know that towards the end, things are going to mount up being closer together and stronger. But let's take a look at scripture 19 here, verse 19. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise awake and sing ye that dwell in dust for thy dew is as the dew of herbs and the earth shall cast out the dead okay that is exactly what daniel's talking about in his scripture isaiah says it too and he goes on to say come my people enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed okay that's the rapture of the church that is god pulling the church out taking the church through the doorway which we see that in matthew 25 he's putting them away to safety until the indignation is overpassed that indignation is the tribulation and 21 goes on to say for behold the lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity okay so he's talking about tribulation which is a worldwide event and then it says the earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain so we're right there in isaiah is talking about tribulation the, the same as what daniel's talking about here in the verse two so it's identical in content and so we can also take a look in the new testament and have another confirmation in thessalonians we're going to go to first thessalonians and we're going to read from chapter four 
and we're going to go to verse 16. So let me get that here. Let me just read this. Okay, it says here, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so wherefore comfort one another with these words. Okay, again, we're talking about the same event that is mentioned in verse 2. And if you want more details, you can even study Matthew 25 about the wise virgins. Again, it's the same group of people mentioned there. That's the raptured group. And you can also look at in Revelation chapter 4, starting with verse 1 and chapter 5. And you can see the saints, the dead in Christ are in heaven and they're throwing their crowns at Jesus' feet. And that's exactly what we see here in Daniel, verse 2, because the dead in Christ will rise first prior to the rapture of the living. And so Daniel mentions it right here. And you see how many different scriptures correlate with that. Okay, so now we're going to go forward to verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the word and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Okay, so what Daniel's saying here is you're getting this information, but it's not ready to be released during Daniel's time because it's too early. It was too early for him to really comprehend what's going on with these prophecies. But at the end, we're going to understand it. And here we are, we're, we're at that juncture where we can actually understand what Daniel could not understand that he mentions here in verse 4. Well, we know the scripture says many shall run to and fro, and boy, are we not seeing that. We're seeing people going from all parts of the world, and that probably was nothing like that in Daniel's time at all, like we're seeing today. And knowledge shall be increased. Oh, yeah. Knowledge is on overload right now. It's incredible. Not only is there a lot of information, it's easily accessible, like never before in any other time in history. Again, these are all indicative of the hour we're in. So we want to go to verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank and the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And verse 6 says, And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Well, we go on to 7, and it says, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times and a half, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Okay, there's a lot going on in this section. It's not totally definitive who these people are standing on both sides of the banks of the river. I mean, they could be the two witnesses. At this juncture, it's just speculative, but we can know, I think, beyond a shadow of a doubt that the man clothed in linen is Jesus, a precarnate Jesus appearing to Daniel in this section. And we know because there's so many references to Jesus in linen, and there's one in Revelation 19.8. 
So we're going to take a look at that real quick and see what God has to say. Let's go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. It says, And to her was granted that she should be arraigned in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And so we see a lot of reference to those dressed in linen as being, you know, of the sainthood of God, but specifically Jesus. So let's go on to take a look in Mark in the New Testament, chapter 15, verse 46. This scripture says, And he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. Okay, so again, we see Jesus wrapped in linen at the time of his death. And we can also go back to Revelation 19:14, And it says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it is should smite the nations and he should rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty god okay so we see all kinds of reference to linen in relation to jesus and we even see it 11 through 16 and so you might want to make note of that okay let's get back to that section because there's more to be said about it we hear a reference to jesus he's holding up his right hand as if to swear and his left hand is pointed to heaven and he swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for times and times and a half and so he's talking about god the father that he's swearing by it says and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people okay so the time and times and a half that we're seeing here is significant because he's literally making reference to the three and a half year tribulation period which is considered the great tribulation because in prior chapters we looked at hebrew translation and the word was shabua in reference to the seven-year tribulation. Shabua stands for seven, and that's where we get the seven-year from. But if we go to the midway point, that's three and a half years, and that's what this is making reference to. And that specific time frame is going to be midway into a seven-year tribulation. And that's what is referring to. But let's go forward. Not only is he talking about that time frame, he's making reference also to what was spoken of in chapter 11, which we covered previously about uh, the attacks that come on the people in that time frame. And this is what I'm talking about, the three waves of attack on Israel and the first one was with the king of the south Egypt with the Arab groups that attack Israel that's the first wave and so that was Egypt the Arab Federation and Russia and uh, they are the first to go against the Antichrist and then Russia is defeated heads back to Siberia to basically uh, nurse their wounds from a defeat 
And then the second wave is when China joins up with what remains of the Russian army with the 200 million man army of China. And then the final wave is the biggest one of all, and we call that Armageddon. And that is when all the nations of the world come against Israel and God at the very end. And we know that's when Jesus comes back with his army from heaven, and he stops it all with the sword of his mouth, okay? And we see all this going on in this final closing section. Verse 8 says, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Okay, this correlates with what he said back in verse 4. He's saying it's not time yet to reveal these things. And he's saying seal it up till the time of the end. And in verse 4 it says, and seal the book even to the time of the end. So he's basically repeating himself and saying here twice, it's okay. (laughs) You don't have to understand this. You're just the messenger and it's not your time to understand this. But it is our time to understand it. And that's what's so exciting about this book. Now, 10 goes on to say, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And so we can definitely see the reference of this to the very end. You know, the Bible talks about a strong delusion, and that's exactly what happens to the wicked. God says what little they have, he will take from them and put them into a strong delusion, and that's exactly what we're seeing here in this verse 10. 11 goes on, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, the nation that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Okay, let me explain this best as I can. In verse 7, we see Jesus talking about the time, times, and a half. Well, that is exactly three and a half years of seven-year tribulation. That period of time, three and a half years, measures, and I'll tell you how much it measures here. I got my notes. It is exactly 1,260 days. And how do we know that? Well, let's take a look. I'm going somewhere with this, so follow along. We're going to go back to a, a Revelation again. We've got to turn into Revelation because Revelation that's given by John helps us understand Daniel. And it wasn't until John gave Revelation and some of these other chapters of the Bible that we could actually understand what was sealed up after John receives it. So let's take a look at chapter 11, and we're going to verse 3, and I'm going to read this. It says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. Okay, and the other scripture, we go on over to Revelation 12, verse 6. Just a little further up, and it says here, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Okay, so that's where we get that from. That's the time frame of the three and a half years that uh, Daniel's making reference to, or that is made reference to in verse 7. That's the three and a half years. Okay, then... We go on down, and we see what I just read. It says, And from 
the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and then the abomination make desolate set up. That was from chapter 11, where we see the Antichrist enter the temple. And that would be the abomination and making the temple desolate at that point. Okay, so there shall be a that in 290 days. Okay, this is another figure. So 1,290. Well, that gives us an extra 30 days beyond the three and a half years. Well, what is that 30 days? Okay, I can tell you. And for that information, we have to go back into Second Chronicles, all the way back to Second Chronicles. Let's take a look. We're going to go to chapter 30, verse 2 through 4. We're going back into ancient history and chronicles, but let's see. It says, For the king had taken counsel and his princes and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at that time because the priests had not sanctified themselves sufficiently, neither had the people gathered themselves together to Jerusalem. And the thing pleased the king and all the congregation. Okay, like what does that have to do with this, right? Okay, I'll tell you what it does. Extra 30 days that we see here in Daniel, in that figure, has to do with the consecration period for the church that's going into the thousand-year reign after the seven-year tribulation. Apparently, in Scripture here, we see that there is a 30-day consecration period of prepping for those who will enter into the thousand-year reign with Jesus Christ. And then we go on into the next scripture that says, Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. Okay, so we've got another figure, which is 1,335. Okay, so we started with 1,260, three and a half years. Second is 1,290, a 30-day consecration period. And then 1,035 is 45 days. And that has to do with Matthew 25, verses 31 through 34. So let me go on over to Matthew, and then I'll explain to you what that period of time is about. First, we've got a 30-day consecration period. Then we're going to take a look at this. We've got Matthew 25, and I'm going to verse 31 through 34 so I can make sense of this. For you, it says here, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goat, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom pre-prepared for you from the foundation of the world okay so that's amazing scripture what does that mean okay that extra period of time that daniel's making reference to is the period of time in which jesus is judging at the end who is going to come into the thousand year reign the the kingdom of god and who is not he literally is judging, he says, between the sheep and the goats. And for anybody who doesn't know, that's why there's so much reference to goats when it comes to the satanic. That's exact scripture that that means right there. Then it goes on to say, But go thou thy way till the end, before thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. 
So that whole period of time, this section of Daniel is saying, okay, look, guys, we've got a three and a half year period of final tribulation, the great tribulation, leading into a period of 30 days to consecrate the people, preparing them for the thousand year reign. And there's 45 days, which is, you know, an additional time period that God judges where he separates the goats from the sheep or from the sheep before he moves the sheep into their final resting place and then the goats have to go to their place of damnation and torture and torment for that thousand day period okay so just kind of in view i want to say a couple things about all that we just read and i want to talk about what happens in this last three and a half years of the great tribulation with regards to satan and what happens here is first of all one thing that happens is satan is thrown down to the earth and then the antichrist has a fatal wound and is possessed by the devil and the peace covenant that was made at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation is broken by the antichrist then israel is attacked and satan is raging against god and his people at this point and that also is when the jews realize that they've been had by the antichrist and they start to turn to the lord jesus at that point so a lot goes on in that particular three and a half year period that we see mentioned here in verse seven of this section of daniel and before we close this out i just want to mention for everybody something that will help clarify scripture to understand more clearly just who will join jesus at the end of the seven-year tribulation leading into the thousand-year reign of christ that period of a thousand-year reign okay well there's four main groups and how are they divided up all right well first of all one of the first groups is the old testament believers who i mentioned before we talked about that in verse two uh the ones that sleep in the dust of the earth that awake and you know it says some to everlasting life and then some to shame and everlasting contempt the ones to everlasting life go forward into the next life and that's that group leading up to the rapture these are the dead in christ they have existed for thousands of years they have been about thousands of years they're the dead that are brought up out of the earth to go out uh, in their glorified bodies with the ones living at the time of the rapture. Now, are they just all Jews? No, no. Even in Old Testament, especially not New Testament, because, you know, the Gentiles have come into salvation through Jesus Christ. But even in the Old Testament, there are so many believers that are not necessarily Jewish or Israelites. So let me mention how we know this. Well, first of all, you take the, you know, like here are some potential people that might be saved to go into the thousand year reign. We might see Lot's daughters. They were called Moabites, but they were not in direct lineage of Abraham. And then Abraham also had another wife after Sarah died and, and those children. And many of those could have been saved. We also see Ruth who's the daughter-in-law of Naomi, and she married Boaz. And then we had Rahab, the prostitute, who was rescued from Jericho. Uh, there was also Abel, who was killed by Cain, who was not 
you know, actually in the direct lineage of Jesus. That would have been, you know, later of Brother Seth. And we even speculate that people like Nebuchadnezzar might have been saved and Darius later in Persia. And, you know, people like Queen of Sheba. There was the wife of Solomon, the Shulamite woman, the Egyptian wife of Joseph, who was the mother of Ephraim and, and Manasseh. We saw the Ethiopian that was baptized in the water, you know, and there's also the Gentiles that Jesus encounters, Cornelius, the captain who asked for Jesus to heal his servant, and even the woman who asked deliverance for her child who was not a Jew. So all these people were believers, not Jews, that potentially, you know, we're going to see potentially in chosen to be among those in the thousand year reign and for eternity. Okay, so then another group would be the rapture church, the church that is raptured, the ones who are alive after the dead in Christ rise, then the rapture church, that's the bride of Christ. And we see them as also entering in uh, pre-tribulation. Okay, so they'll come back with Jesus when he stops Armageddon. They are the army dressed in white linen who join him to stop Armageddon. And so they enter into the thousand-year reign. And another group would be the believers who remain at the conclusion of tribulation. And these were those in their physical bodies... And the ones that I mentioned that are divided between the goats and the sheep. So this would actually be the sheep who um, are selected to go into the thousand-year reign judged by Jesus as worthy. And that would be that group. And then finally, the fourth group is what we consider to be the believers who actually died for Christ during the tribulation period. These are those in Revelation 20, verse 4. It says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay, so that's that final group. So in review, just real quick, here's who goes into the thousand-year reign with Jesus at the last, following seven years of tribulation. It's going to be exactly Old Testament believers um, up to the rapture of the church, anybody in that grouping that were the dead in Christ— who died before the rapture, and they come out, their bodies come out of the ground, and they're given, at that point, a resurrection body, a glorified body, along with the rapture group. They are the living that come out after the dead in Christ rise and receive their glorified body. Then the living, they come out and receive the glorified body, and they literally never die. They never experience death. Okay, so that group goes into the thousand-year reign, Group number three is believers who remain at the conclusion of tribulation. They're living. Then God judges, you know, the sheep and the goats, and it's going to be the sheep in reference to that scripture. And then finally, the believers who died for Christ gave up their life during tribulation, and they will be raised also from the dead to go into the thousand-year reign because they refuse to take the mark of the beast. Now, here is something I want to add. Uh, does anybody who just refuses to take the mark of the beast automatically 
allowed to go into the thousand-year reign, not unless they are a believer of Jesus Christ. And so it's very important that everyone become a believer of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, there can be people who refuse to take that mark, and they don't even care about Jesus. So you've got to also be a believer at that point. Okay, so that is uh, the four groups that we're going to see enter into the thousand-year reign here at the end. But very excited to say that that completes this study. Yay! (laughs) I hope you have held on with us as we've gone through the scripture, and there's still some insight and details left to be learned as time proceeds we will learn more and more about the revelations given to daniel in the final but uh, for the most part this generation can know most of what daniel spoke all those many years ago about 539 bc is about the time frame he gave these scriptures 539 years before the birth of christ isn't that amazing dina that is just incredible God's word is just amazing. And you did a wonderful job, Susan, in interpreting these verses, verse by verse, and teaching us. Just absolutely wonderful. So thank you so much. And thank you to all the listeners who have attended every single uh, show. You've watched it. And I hope you guys have learned a lot. I hope this has increased your walk with Christ. And I just want to encourage you to share these these videos, you know, share the playlist. You can find it on Susan's channel, Marriage Supper of the Lamb, under the Book of Daniel for Beginners. And while you're sharing this playlist, also share the Revelation series because they go hand in hand. You'll also be able to find these videos on my channel as well as our BitChute channel and our Rumble channels and on podcast. So you can send it on podcast and, you know, you can use it for uh, Bible studies, you know, if you get together with other people with your church. You can introduce it to your pastors and use it for Bible studies. It's an incredible tool. In fact, there is a church that is using the Revelation series that uh, we did for Bible study. So it's there for you as a resource. So thank you again, Susan. Thank you to all the listeners. And Susan, is there uh, anything else you'd like to add? Well, yes, I'd just like to say thank you to Dina for a fantastic job on editing and production of this series just over the top amazing and also uh, all the listeners thanks a lot and please share this with anybody that you feel would benefit from it and also go to revelation for beginners series as dina mentioned is great adjunct to this teaching and i think you'll find it very helpful and um, there's no reason the christians today cannot understand this book of the bible and we encourage you to take a look at that but thanks again for everybody for being part of this and you know god bless everybody and uh, thanks to the lord jesus for um, helping us yeah thank you jesus thank you so much for all of your help holy spirit and to all of you leave your comments below this video we love hearing from you and god bless 